Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abel with Elias Randall. Thanksgiving's coming up, my favorite time. Uh, you're probably getting ready to wrap up football, aren't you? Yep, season's about over. So it's a good year, fun year. Uh, I didn't get cheered at any of the games, which best you can do as an official is to just get booed by the crowd. So that's par for the course. It was a fun season. I really, I got to work a lot of really good quality football games and that's all I really care about when I'm there. So, so football is one of my favorite parts about Thanksgiving because it's a full day of football, a full day of Turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and drinks and food and naps. What's your typical, uh, thanksgiving look like elias so i cook the turkey for everyone so i an amateur barbecuer slash smoker so every thanksgiving i'll do two 12 pound turkeys just they're easier easier to cook when they're smaller it's easier to not dry them out and it's like a week-long process because i gotta thaw them out and then they go in a brine for two and a half days and then they sit in the fridge for at least 24 hours uncovered like on my rack uh, with some paper towels just Starts, trying to dry it out yeah it helps dry it out and then the, the skin will be crispier when you cook it so it makes it better and then the night before they go on the smoker i set them out on the counter before i go to bed let them warm up to room temperature and then like four o'clock in the morning i'll put them on my traeger and cook them till they're 160 i think in the middle of the breast I think that's good. Maybe 165. I'll have to look at my recipe, but that's it. And it's the best. So they like it that way. Well, and last year what I did was I smoked them and then we fried them right before I served them. Oh, I bet that was awesome. So fried them to like warm Like just them like up. a flash fry to get the skin like extra crispy and stuff. Oh yeah. It was great. Yeah, that sounds it great. Awesome. I might come for Thanksgiving. You should. I'm fight myself. You should. Uh, yeah, we just go to Nelson's. Pick up a hot turkey, ready to go. They're awesome. If you've never done it, it's you probably should. the way. It's probably a lot easier, and it's probably really good. Listen, if you've never done it, it's worth it. Once you do it, you're never gonna do it a different way. Yeah. Like, and what do they charge you for? I don't know. 60, 70 bucks for the bird, ready to go, something like that. I think. Maybe more. What's a tur? I don't even know what a turkey costs. I don't know. I pay what they charge, but dude, you go in there and they're hot. Like they're all like. They cook them like you pre-order it or how you have to pre-order it. Yeah. Go in and you get in this big bag. So it still has like all the drippings so you can make gravy and do the whole ball of wax. Yeah. I've turned a couple people onto it. You never go back once you start. And it's so easy because that's the hardest part of Thanksgiving. It's not making the mashed potatoes and the sides. It's getting the turkey right. So what do they have? A Do they have a really big rotisserie or something? I don't know. I they you know they do the smoked ones, but these aren't smoked. These are. I don't know. They're they so probably good, have a huge rotisserie. Yeah. The way that they cook them a lot. It makes me, I actually should go order mine here that filmed this a couple weeks before Thanksgiving. But uh, I'm excited for this year because my girls have never really been into it. But this year, my daughter discovered uh, mashed potatoes. So Blake told me, she goes, Dad, I want to have mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She discovered mashed potatoes. Well, you know she how she just realized she liked them, or yeah. What? Well, you know how you kids are like super picky, and they only want to eat like these certain foods. And then as they get older, they'll try stuff like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome." Went to Granite City for dinner the other night, and she's like, "Mom, I want to try the mashed potatoes." I'm like, "Okay," and she's like, "These are really good." 
but it's just funny how their taste buds kind of change. Um, and, you know, Thanksgiving, there's some really cool facts about Thanksgiving. I think, I don't know this, but I'm guessing it's one of the biggest holidays out there, partly because everybody knows they probably have Wednesday off and Friday off after, you know, Black Friday shopping. And I know when you when you got out of college, did you always come home? for Thanksgiving. And then the night before Thanksgiving, you always went out with all your friends from high school and college the night before. Yeah. So, and I do know from my days bartending that the night before Thanksgiving, that's, I think nationally, I think that's the best night for bars across the country for that reason. Everyone goes back home and to go out and see everyone else that's back home. That's where you end up going to socialize. Yeah, we did it at the Irish Democrat. I mean, for years. I feel like I need to go back just for the nostalgia of it. Sure. I'm now 45, but I feel like I'm 25. It's hard again. to go out when you go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. How'd you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I but, go to bed at 8.30. So. <laughs> my wife got mad at me the other night. She's like, you're not going to hang out with me? I'm like, nope, I'm tired. I got to go to bed. So let's let's hit a couple of cool financial facts about Thanksgiving. This is the first one shocked me. One point one billion. That's what we spend on turkeys. I feel like I should be a turkey farmer. One point one billion dollars on turkey. You asked what the cost is, and a sixteen pound turkey will cost an average of twenty dollars in two thousand and twenty three. It's um, actually pretty good. Yeah, but turkey's here's, still reasonably priced. You know what though? Here's what's ironic. In two thousand eighteen, the same turkey was thirteen bucks. It's almost doubled in cost. No, it's in inflation. That's inflation for you. But turkey prices the last 12 months are down. So it might be a little less expensive than last year. But, yeah, I mean, inflation impacts all this stuff. And, you know, you asked what the cost of the turkey was at Nelson's. Because I haven't hosted Thanksgiving for the last few years. I don't know. Maybe it's 100, 120. I don't know. I'm going to find out. Uh, Cool little survey from Personal Capital. 88% of Americans are planning on cutting costs by excluding one dish from their Thanksgiving dinner. I don't believe that. Shrinkflation. Well, what they're going to do, instead of you making the turkey, Elias, in all the sides, you're going to say, hey, I'm making the turkey. How about everybody bring a side? Or you bring a pie or, you know, defer that cost to somebody else. But that's kind of like indirect shrinkflation. It is, but I don't believe that's going to happen. No one... Yeah, you might plan on cutting back, but you're not going to cut back for it doesn't matter who it is. If your family's coming over, you're going to have all your favorite foods out. Like that's a, right, okay, we need to cut back. Well, and then 2 weeks before the thing, right? Before Thanksgiving, you're actually thinking about cutting back. You're not going to do that. No, here's what people happens. aren't cutting back on holidays. I'm going to tell you what happens to people. They're like, "We're going to cut back." So they go to the grocery store like a week ahead of time thinking they have everything they need, okay? Yep, got my list, got all my stuff. I got my turkey, got the potatoes, got the side dishes. And they feel like they cut back. But then the day before Thanksgiving, they realized, oh, I don't have pepper, and I forgot to get cranberries. And they went to the grocery store again, and they pick up the alcohol and all the special stuff that they thought they were cutting back on. They end up spending more because they went back to the store twice. I know that happens to people. Because they think they're prepared. And they're like, man, I forgot this. And once you go back to the store, very rarely do you come out with only the item. 
that you went for. And you know what I'm talking about here. Like, hey, I went to this store the other day. My wife asked me to get like three items. Yep, I had 13. Because I thought we needed it all. Of course we didn't. But that's going to happen to people at Thanksgiving who are thinking they're going to cut back. And, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people go out. Like, they'll just go get a prepared dinner or they'll go out. This actually shocked me. The most expensive Thanksgiving dinner ever. Somebody spent $181,000 on their Thanksgiving dinner. Why? Well, okay. I'm reading it right here. Old Homestead Steakhouse in Manhattan is where this happened. It was a turkey included 20... Uh, two 20 pound pound range free turkeys edible with edible gold flakes. So, you know, the deal, anytime you start sprinkling gold flakes on stuff, it costs more. I can't believe it tastes any better. I've never had an edible gold flake. Well, have you seen you? I've never had it. No, because why I wouldn't spend the money on it. It sounds ridiculous. Do you think it tastes good? I don't think it tastes like anything. Edible metal. I mean, I hope it's not like aluminum and makes my fillings hurt when I chew on it. Uh, But check this out. The turkeys were served along with uh, seafood bread stuffing. So, you know, what seafood stuffing cost? Candied sweet potatoes, butternut squash, and cranberry sauce. Uh, Dessert were pies, coconut custard, and it included uh, Cristal champagne. So, you know, they're drinking the best of the best champagne. Okay, there were some other perks, yeah. too, for the 180 This makes more sense. Now. Yeah, and when you read the last one, those who decided to cash out for this luxurious dinner also received four tickets to Super Bowl to the Super Bowl of Miami, two tickets to The Voice, two iPhone 11 Pro Maxes, and a Sea Dream Yacht Club cruise for two and more. So the food was a small portion of this. I mean, what are Super Bowl tickets? 20 grand a ticket? Probably. That's what I, I was wondering. How do you, I mean, how many people for $180,000 worth of food, how many people do you invite to that? But there's all this other stuff. So but it I had gold flakes, so, you know, maybe it tastes better. I don't know. But 181000 someone spent for a Thanksgiving dinner. I'm hoping mine's 181 bucks, which it won't be, but. You know, I bet a lot of people probably come up with a good budget for Thanksgiving. And if you don't have a budget, it probably makes sense to figure out what you want to spend. I know in our household, the thing that can get out of control is the alcohol bill. You know, when people come over, we try to have what everybody kind of likes to drink. So so one person likes one kind of beer, one kind of wine, we'll go get it. So it ends up being a lot of different stuff, which adds up to a A large bill. Yep. I'm sure that goes over to good use, though, throughout the holiday season. I don't think it's going to go to waste. <laughs> so another thing we we're going to do for the Thanksgiving episode today is uh, talk about the most, the top five Googled personal finance questions and then have an answer for them. So, you know, the the Internet, that's really where we turn for information and and I catch myself sometimes I'm, I think, uh, I'm doing research. I think research is a little more involved than just typing into Google, but a lot of times Google can get you to an answer you're looking for on something. So what are the top five, uh, most Google searched personal finance question? 
Number one, what is a good credit score? So that's the number one most searched thing um, on Google when it comes to personal finance. It's really not surprising because a credit score is, well, basically it's something you need to borrow money, right? So a lot of people, especially, um, you know, people typically are better spenders than they are savers. So we know that. So knowing what your credit score is important to a lot of people and whether you're going to buy a home, buy a car, start renting an apartment, apply for a credit card, student loan, personal loan, just whatever it may be, that's really the start is what is your credit score. And I think just real quick, I'll go through what the ranges are and what they mean. So 300 to five to 499 is very poor, 500 to 600 poor, 601 to 660 fair. And then good credit starts at 661 to 780 and anything over 780 would be considered an excellent score. So let me let me give you my take on this. Yeah. Credit, people think it's only for borrowing. It's not. Insurance bases premiums off your credit score. People don't know that. It doesn't count as a hard credit pull. So if you go, you know, apply for insurance, they're not pulling your credit, but they have a way to look at your score. And your premiums on insurance can adjust based upon your credit score because the insurance companies looks at it as a way to say, you know, if your credit's 780 or 820, are you more or less likely to file a claim than a person whose credit score's 400? The you're person less likely. You're not going to. Like my auto deductible is like a thousand bucks. If I got an accident for 1200 bucks, I'm not going to claim on insurance. I'm not going to spend a thousand for a $200 benefit. And have to raise a claim. my premium. Yeah. Right, and have it's going to have to be something significant. So that's why they use that. You know, generally, when I think of good credit, I think of, I'd say above average credit, I think of 720. And, and here's why most auto rates get preferential rates at 720. On your mortgage, though, I know this because I was, I was talking with a banker friend of mine the other day and someone had told him what, they thought their credit score was like, oh, it's 770. Well, it came back and it was 7030. Well, it affected their mortgage rate by a quarter percent. So mortgage rate 30 compared to 770. Yeah. So mortgage really? rate 760 is considered like kind of the top tier for most mortgage rates. Huh. So if you're out there thinking about cars and mortgages, 760 is where you want to be pressing. Doesn't mean you're going to get a bad rate, right? But it's there's between eight percent and eight points or seven point seven five. Is it really that meaningful? Probably not. No. But that's kind of where I think of credit scores. I think if you're seven twenty or above, that's pretty darn good. You know, obviously you want to be, you know, as high as you can be. Um and you know there's a lot of factors that kind of go into how that credit scores judged Elias. Yeah, the factors and it's a few things here. Payment history makes up 35%. The amount you owe makes up 30%. The length of credit history makes up 15%. New credit, 10%. And credit mix, 10%. So those are really, you know, through those weighted areas, like payment history is 35%. Well, one of the best ways to have a good credit score is to always pay your bills on time. Do you know 
what one 30 day pass due um no. event does to your credit don't know 60 points minimum 60 points, 60 points. for one it yep. could be your first one ever doesn't yep. matter nope 60 points so i have one of those uh credit analyzer things that i get to play with and you can put in there like what different credit events do to your overall score hmm interesting but yeah 30 day late 60 points in your credit doesn't matter if it's a hundred dollar bill at the hospital and what got me thinking a little bit about this it's ironic that we're doing this in our our um episode today i was watching a uh loan officer out of missouri and um it was a youtube i was watching it was about buying farmland and some different stuff and he said you know he looks at credit score when he underwrites but he actually looks at overall payment history more so he'll go back and say you know okay your credit score is 660 what's your on your regular recurring stuff like if you have a home payment if you have a car you know how many times are you late on that stuff he's like if it's zero i'm gonna probably give the person the benefit of the doubt if they had one medical bill they were 31 days late on so there's some different things that go into it when you actually go to get underwritten. Um, there's another thing people don't really realize about their credit score, Elias, and what affects part of it. Um, how many inquiries you have? Because that means you're looking for credit, right? Yeah. So every time you're at the store and they say, hey, do you want to save $150 today and apply for the Shields card? Yes. No. I That's an say inquiry. No. I want to say yes. If you have I more than no. two inquiries in 24 months, you go from excellent to good. Two. Because you're applying for a fair amount of credit. You know what bothers me every time we talk about credit scores and credit cards and then you use that Shields example? My favorite to-go coffee cup that I have is from Shields because I signed up for a credit card. Of course you did. But it doesn't make me like that coffee cup any less. I still really love it and I use it all the time. Okay, how I got it. This is a quiz for you. This is in the outline. P payment history. Okay. So how long you've had credit? How many years do you have to have credit to get an excellent rating on credit history? I would say at least probably 15, 25. It's 25 years before you can even move to excellent. Yep. I know wow. that because I have the credit analyzer and I have 23 years of credit history. And I'm, you know, no late payments ever. But 23 years of credit history, I can't move to excellent until I have 25. Yeah, right. So I'm sure I only have 10 to, well, maybe 13. 13, 14 would be the absolute most I probably have. Yeah, I mean, I have my credit first. history at this time because I think I had a credit card my I took last out my year of college. Yeah. I bought a yeah. house, I think, when I was 23. So I know that's for sure when it all started. So, Elias, you know, there's three kind of primary ways that you and I discuss how we get people to get a better credit score. If you want to kind of elaborate on what those three ways are. Yeah, so... You know, if you're in a spot where you either want to or need to improve your credit score. So the, the number one thing is payment history and being paid on time all the time. So, you know, like you just mentioned, if you're 
one beyond 30 day late payment is 60 points right there. So just never having those is a, is a really good strategy. Paying down the debt that you do have. So the other biggest portion of it is the amounts you owe. So I'm sure it's looking at amount owed versus amount borrowed or something like that. So just paying, paying off debt. Um, you know, on our show, you, there, we talk about how there's two ways. Debt, debt avalanche, highest interest rate to lowest. Debt snowball is much more common, much more popular. I would argue much more effective. Just start with the smallest one, get it knocked out, snowball that into the next one. And then don't open too many accounts at once. I think this has to do with um, something we were talking about, those credit inquiries. So, you know, when you are at a story like and they say, hey, if you open a credit card, you get this free coffee cup. Maybe you shouldn't do that. I've done that. I hope I learned my lesson. Um, you know, I really like free coffee cups, but well, we'll see. I think I learned my lesson. I probably won't ever do that again. Every in- inquiry dings your credit five points. So if, yeah, so if you go out and you get five new mugs, well, twenty five. Let's not even think about it. You refinanced your house, five points. Yep. You went and bought a car, five points. If you took financing for it, you go apply for two of the credit cards when you're out on Black Friday, another ten points. That's twenty points right there. Yeah. Bought a cell phone. I think they pull credit if you're buying a cell phone. You finance if you don't write the check. Really? So I've probably so. been dinged a few times this year because yeah. I got a new phone. It'll it'll bounce back. Yeah. But point is, like, you just don't want many. Inqu- there's a difference between inquiries and hard inquiries. Like hard inquiries means they actually pulled your credit. Your insurance is not a hard inquiry. But th- this kind of leads into the second most Googled um, question. This question averages 21,000 searches per month. That's okay. A lot. In perspective, though, what is a good credit score averaged 160,000 searches per month? So not even close. So I think the good news with this is this is probably something we want to stay away from anyway. But um, the most Google question, second most Google question was, how many credit cards should I have? Before you read this, what do you think? What's your personal? Yeah. Well, the answer to should is probably zero. You probably shouldn't have any credit cards. Um, so here's my answer. Depends on your relationship with money. Meaning if your person who's going to have a credit card and you can't be responsible with it, you should have zero or maybe one. Can you be an adult with your credit card? That's a good question. Yes. Yeah. Can people. you be, can you be responsible with this? Or are you just going to go get crazy and get in trouble? Okay. If you're a responsible person, I actually think the answer is two. Two. How okay. did you arrive at well, two? Everybody needs one. Like most people are going to need one. It's hard to do a lot of things without a credit card. You do a debit card. That's reasonable. But it's the same thing as a credit card, right? Yeah. If you're using your credit card the same fashion as debit, you could do that. So let's say you have a debit card. Then you only need one other card. And here's why. What happens if you lose it? When I go on vacation, I take three cards with me in three different locations. Three cards and what do you mean three different locations? Keep one of my carry-on, one of my suitcase, one of my one of my wallet. Wow, you're prepared. Well, if I lose one, yeah, I, if I lost my wallet, I'd just be out. What are you going to do if you lose your wallet on vacation? You have nowhere to get home. No way to get home. 
<laughs> beg my wife to use hers. Remember, <laughs> I love, hey, you know what? The good news is we found out you can get on an airplane without a driver's license. Remember that stunt I pulled about a year ago? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so no more than two. And that includes your debit card. So debit card, credit card, that's good. That's your backup. The credit card's the backup. You have a debit card. Um, but you should only be using that credit card for very specific things, right? Okay, I'm booking travel. I don't put my debit card into the computer. I know people out there will tell you the protection's the same as a credit card. No, it's not. I've had credit card numbers stolen. I've had my debit card number stolen. Guess which one's significantly easier to take care of the problem? When your credit card gets credit card robbed. My bank, I love my bank. They're great. I had to prove to them I didn't charge it. They, yeah, the credit like card, the credit just card said, oh, yeah, company just, just takes your it. word for it over the phone. Right. Yeah. Two different things. And yeah, you'll unwind it. One's a lot more work. So I don't think you need more than one debit card, one credit card. Part of the reason is, here's what happens if people have multiple credit cards, five, six credit cards. They put $800 on one. Well, I only owe 800 on that one. And then oh, I'll use a different one. I only owe 600 on this one. Pretty soon they owe five or 6,000 bucks. So you only need one. We kind of have that motto, keep things simple. Keep that simple too. Yeah, keep it simple and pay off the balance. Don't do you know what's really easy to do? Balance. Here's what you do. If you have a credit card, you just go in and set the default payment method, the auto pay, pay balance in full. And you pay it the day after you get your paycheck. You, that's an option. Mine's set to pay balance in full. Or I pay it, you know, I always like to pay mine weekly. The business one's a lot easier to pay weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of just paying paying weekly. So the that brings us to the next most Googled question. What is compound interest? And that question gets 15,000 searches per month. So it's really, so what compound interest is, simply put, it's earning money on the excuse me, earning interest on the money you have invested, and then also earning interest on the money you had invested, plus the interest that you've earned previously. So here's an easy example. You put $100 into an account, it makes 5%. So that's an additional $5. The next year, your $105 makes 5% again. Well, that would be $5.25. So now you have $110.25. And then I think you can see how that would continue to grow. And, you know, we talk about compound interest a lot with people's investment portfolios because that is how your, that is how your stock portfolio would work. If you have, you know, like in this example, you have $100, you make 5%. That's your new balance. You make 5% on top of that. And I think Warren Buffett's actually quoted as saying compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world or something like that. And it's really how over time, how, you know, really through being a good investor, having the right behavior, um, owning a diversified portfolio, compound interest is really how people end up with a million dollars in their 401k or two or th even $3 million in their 401k and in their investment accounts at some, at some time. 
in their life. But uh, what is compound interest is the third most Googled personal finance question out there. This one's good. How to start investing. This averages 8,800 searches a month. Um, here's, here, if I was, someone said, how do I start investing? The, the way I'd go about it, number one is, do you have a 401k at work? That's the easiest possible way to do it. Um, and arguably one of the most effective because it's coming out of your paycheck before anything happens. Most people, if they never get the money, they don't realize they have the money. Right, if, if your tax rate went up 3% and they automatically took it from your paycheck, are you gonna miss it? Maybe, but it wasn't optional. Should view your 401k the same thing. This is the 3% tax that the IRS just levied on me. This is my 3% retirement tax. So 401k is the easiest way to get started. If you haven't started, just start now. The second thing, if you don't have a 401k, contact a financial professional. Contact somebody to help you. Hey, how do I get started? Clearly, if you're Googling how to get started investing, you're not a do-it-yourselfer. Hold on a second. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, seriously, if that, if that crosses your mind that I'm going to do this myself, but you have to Google how to get started, just contact a professional. There's a lot of people out there that'll help you and do a good job for you. Um, that's a, you know what? I've never thought of it. Th I've never, that I've never thought of it that way. If you have to but go. That, to is, that, that is true. Like, you know, I know when, uh, like when I started my first investing account, I didn't Google how to start. I went to the different platforms, Fidelity, Schwab, and I started reading the differences and what the cost, right? I just started picking, where am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's savings is as simple. I mean, investing is as simple as going to your bank and buying a CD. Like that's investing. Investing is putting your money into something that's going to earn a rate of return. So could be that. Um, and, you know, as your income grows, once you start, just keep increasing it. You know, we always talk about if you get a pay raise, you know, let's say you get a 4% pay raise. Okay, well, slide 2% in more into retirement and keep two for yourself. You got a pay raise and you got a pay raise in the future too. So how to start investing, easiest thing to do, go to your 401k, get that set up. If not, contact a professional to help you do this. That is all good, prudent advice there. So number five, most Googled question. I was kind of, I was a little surprised on this one. It's probably something I take for granted, but what is a checking account? And that gets about 8,000 searches um, every month. What is a checking account? So really a checking account, and this is just the way I think of it. The checking account is there to transact business. So it's where all the bills get paid every month or every week, however you do it. Um, and that's where, you know, the gro that's where the grocery store money's coming from. That's where the gas money's coming from. But the checking account is really just, to me, it's the money monthly coming in, going out, coming in, going out. You know, a savings account to me is the money above the checking account to just operate the transactions every month. So then, you know, the checking account has a balance we like to have. Well, then above that, then it's like, okay, this is emergency fund money in a savings account. It's readily available. It's liquid. 
Um, and then you just kind of go from there. But a checking account is, I think the simplest way to state it is the account that you're going to transact most of your business in. That shocks me. People don't know. I'm guessing a lot of that has to be young individuals who are in high school. And when I saw that one, I'm like, I'm always trying to figure out who's asking it. Adults aren't asking this. This is 16, 17, 18 year olds who are getting ready to go get on their own. And yeah. someone said, you need a checking account. They're going, well, what is that? Cause they, you know, mom and dad gave them a debit card. They don't really realize where they have a credit card. They don't really realize where the money's coming from. It'd be an assumption, but I would assume these 8,000 searches a month, a lot of it is young people for first time job, right? 16. Well, just started cooking pizzas at the local pizza place. Ironic. Check it out. 8,800 people are searching a month how to start investing. 7,800 are searching what's a checking account. Yeah, it could be I'll a bet lot there's of the a lot people. of overlap. That was good insight. You know, here's what's ironic, though. Why is it called the checking account? That's what it's always been called. Because but no you one can uses do what? checks anymore. Well, I'd still do. But. I guarantee people under 25 don't. No. There's no high schoolers using their checkbook. All right. Here's the, there's a few others that round out the list. Um, we're not going to go into depth on them, but I think these are just a couple more to throw out there. When are student loans due? Well, I think that's probably being searched because, you know, we had a moratorium on student loans, didn't have to pay them. People want to know what's going on. What's overdraft protection? How much income do you need to file taxes? How do personal loans work? You know, a lot of these things that are being, a lot of these I feel like are first time young people trying to figure this out. And this is where they get their information. Um, with that said, I want to wish everybody a great Thanksgiving. If anybody needs any help with any of their financial stuff, you can go to btwellshow.com. Elias or I'd be happy to help you um, or one of our, one of our other advisors in the office. Uh, you have any closing remarks for today? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy the, enjoy all the food and the football. It should be a fun holiday. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social Facebook X. Did I miss one? YouTube. LinkedIn. I don't know. Yeah, YouTube. we're out there on everything, but you know, follow us on social. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.